you know, there are many people, Christians included, who are always farming, always cultivating the soil, always sowing seeds. But they don't come to the point of experiencing plentiful harvest. How would you feel if you are a businessman and you have invested time, capital, efforts, and yet after many years, your business is still not prospering? Sabi ng iba, siguro talagang ganito lang ang buhay. Pag pinanganak ang mahirap, mahirap ka na lang. If you are born poor, you will be poor. So today, I like to share um, a continuation of the sermon last Sunday. We opened the study of the book of Ruth, chapter 1, and then now we are moving to chapter 2. And I entitled it, Experiencing the Harvest. As a review of uh, chapter 1, in verse 20, when Naomi and Ruth came back to Bethlehem, you know, the ladies, hindi lang pala Filipino, kahit mga, mga Israelis, nag-ngunguyan sila. Si Naomi ba yan? And then look at the response of Naomi. Do not call me Naomi. The word Naomi meant pleasant, winsome, lovely. But she was telling the ladies in Bethlehem, do not call me with that name. Call me Mara. And more likely it was shared to you that the meaning of the name was bitter. And why did she want to change her name? For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has witnessed against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. You know, it's one thing to be bitter with people, bitter with the government, but in the case of Naomi, she was bitter with whom? Three times. The Almighty dealt very bitterly with me. The Lord brought me back empty. The Lord witnessed against me. The Lord has afflicted me. You know, some of us, I, I will not say all of us, some of us had experienced bitterness in life. Sometimes we experience bitterness from our parents. Sometimes from our friends. Sometimes even from the church. But this lady was courageous, was very brave. Because she declared bitterness not against her husband nor people. She declared bitterness with what the Lord has done as far as she was concerned. When she was in Bethlehem together with her husband, Elimelech, and her two sons, they were well off. 
as you will find in the story later on. She was well off. But when they left Bethlehem and went to the land of Moab because of famine, the father died or the husband died. And then in 10 years' time, the two sons got married and they also died. So Naomi left, was left by herself. You know, many times, the cause of our bitterness cannot be changed. Hindi na natin pwedeng baguhin yung nakaraan. But I pray that the message today will encourage all of us that our bitterness today can be changed. So that from bitterness, we can experience again fullness. From our emptiness, we can experience harvest. So the main question we will answer tonight is, can Naomi be Naomi again? Can a bitter person be happy again? And I'd like to testify to all of you, I had lunch meeting yesterday with a couple and uh, the lady was thanking me and said, Pastor, thank you that you did not give up on my husband because she gave up on her husband twice already. And now they are experiencing harvest, not only in their business, but in their relationship. She was bitter. I saw her pains. I witnessed her tears. She was angry, initially with her husband, then later with the people around her, then later with the Lord. But now together with her husband, she's serving the Lord. So how can our bitterness, emptiness, be transformed to fullness. In uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse 22, let me read the last part of uh, chapter 1. The first key to make things happen. Naomi, who was in the land of Moab for the past 10 years, decided to return. You know, if you are an OFW person and you had been in the Middle East or in New Zealand or in America for at least 10 years and you're coming home with nothing, will you still return? But Naomi returned. And to her pleasant surprise, when she was returning back to Bethlehem, the two daughters-in-law wanted to join her. She discouraged them, so finally, one of them went back. But the other, as you heard the story last week, decided to cling to her and to return to the land, from the land of Moab with Naomi. And look at the last verse of Ruth chapter 1. 
they came to Bethlehem. What was the setting? At the beginning of the barley harvest. So that gives us a signal that it will not only be the land that will be productive. Those who have experienced famine and bitterness will also experience harvest. What the, why did Naomi return? In uh, Ruth chapter 1 verse 6, we were told the reason. She arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab for she heard a good news. She heard a gospel. You know, some people remain in their bitterness and continue on their being bitter because they do not hear a gospel. But Naomi heard a good news, a gospel. And what was the gospel? The Lord visited his people. Can you imagine Naomi, the past 10 years, you losing her husband, losing her two sons? I can imagine her during that course of time crying out and saying, Where are you, God? Why did you allow these things to happen to my life, to my family? But then one day, she heard, she heard something good that prompted her to return back. And that's the visitation of the Lord. And the Lord gave food to his people. Bethlehem will be house of bread again. And Naomi, who was empty, later on will become filled again. This concept of returning and then harvesting is found even in the, in the prophets. The prophet Hosea said to Israel, Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. You know, the difference between the Lord and Satan is in John chapter 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But when the Lord is the one who will chastise us, who will you know, tear us, it's for a good reason. And after his discipline has been accomplished, then healing will come to us. He will even bandage us. And that will happen when we return to the Lord. In Tagalog, the word return is magbalik, magbalik, magbalik loob. Yun lang ang hinihintay ng Diyos. Magbalik loob. Hindi magbalik dila. No? Kasi yung iba sa atin, balik dila eh. <laughs> balik loob. In Acts 3, verse 19, after Peter preached the first sermon in Pentecost, 
Look at the juxtaposition of those two verbs. Therefore, repent and return. The Hebrew word return is translated in the New Testament, repent. Repent. So, Peter put the two concepts together. Therefore, repent, change direction, and return, two things will happen. Your sins will be wiped away. And what's next? Times of refreshing will come, not from people, but from the presence of the Lord, and you will experience the reality of Jesus. You know, many people want to experience Jesus today. But you have to turn. The word repent, beta, noia, nous, means the mind. You have to change your mind, change your attitude. And then re return means to change direction. You cannot enjoy Jesus when you are facing the world and facing what's wrong, and you just keep on looking at Jesus like this. That won't work. If you want to experience harvest, fullness in your life, then you have to turn to Jesus and turn back from the world. That's what Naomi did. It was not easy to go back to your people, to face their words, which are sometimes slanderous, misinterpretations, but she went back, not because of them, but because of the gospel, because of the goodness that the Lord has visited. So what happened in chapter 2? The opening verse in chapter 2 already gives us the key how a life of emptiness will become a life of fullness. Ruth chapter 2 verse 1 says, Naomi had a goel, had a kinsman, a relative, a cousin of her husband. And the man was of great wealth. Mayaman siya. Then he repeated the description of the family of Elimelech, the husband of Naomi. And his name was Boaz. It means strong. And then going back to the story in verse 2, Ruth the Moabites said to Naomi, Please let me go on the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. And Naomi said to Ruth, Go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. Look at the next statement. And she happened to come. It's like accidental. And it happened. She happened to come. If you are born again, if you are in Christ, the better word for accidental. <laughs> because accidental is accident. The better word is providential. Unknown to her, God was leading Ruth in the field belonging to Boaz. And again, who is Boaz? 
of the family of Elimelech. God is behind the story. He's not speaking, but he is just behind the story. Seeing to it that Boaz and Ruth will meet, and then as a result of their love for one another, Naomi, Naomi's life will change. Verse 4. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, same place as Naomi's, and he said to the reapers, wow, fantastic guy. May the Lord be with you. By the way, it's not in church, huh? It's in the field. May the Lord be with you. And the reaper said to him, may the Lord bless you. That, that kind of greeting sounds familiar to many of us. Then Boaz said to the servant who was in charge of the reapers, the reapers whose young woman is this? Sa dami-dami ng babae doon, ang nakita niya, yung foreigner. The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman who returned, that's a key word, who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. So the story could have ended there as far as Ruth was concerned. But look at verse 8. Boaz came to Ruth. And then he said, Listen carefully, my daughter. Why my daughter? He was much older. Ruth was younger. Listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one. Stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants, what? Not to touch you. Because if you are gleaning, you are not a reaper. What's the difference between harvesting and gleaning? Sa Tagalog, yung harvesting ay umaani, tagapag-ani, ay yung gleaning. <laughs> what do you do when you are gleaning? Tagadampot ng mga naiiwan noong harvesters. Okay? So, tagano ka lang, you are getting the leftover. And who are the gleaners usually? Orphans, widows, prostitutes. So, they become subjects of teasing and uh, sometimes molestation of people. So look at the statement. I have commanded the servants not to touch you. And when you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then Ruth fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found grace? Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. Boaz did not stop there. At mealtime, during the break, Boaz said to Ruth, come here that you may eat of the bread 
and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers. What's the next? Wow. The owner of the field, the master, was serving the foreigner. She served her roasted grain. She ate and was satisfied and had some left over. Then when she arose to glean again, Boaz commanded his servant, saying, Let her glean among the... Kahit yung mga hindi natapon, siguraduhin nyo na may maiiwan. So pag nakakat ka, leave something for her. Do not insult her. You shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles and leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. Wow. How would you feel, Ami, if you were Ruth? It's your first time. First time to, to go and glean in a foreign land, in a foreign field, and with a foreign guy you don't even know. And then, but this guy is treating you like a princess. She couldn't believe the favors that are being extended to her by Boaz. Well, we are already told the story that Boaz is a kinsman. A kinsman Redeemer. Siya ay manunubos. The concept of a Redeemer has been there already in the Bible as early as the time of Job. You know, remember when Job lost all his children? When Job lost even his wife? We don't know whether she died or left Job. And Job was afflicted by wounds from the top of his head down to the feet. In Job 19.25, in the midst of all his pains and sufferings, Job declared, As for me, I know my Goel, I know my Redeemer lives, and at last he will take his stand on earth. He will defend me. He will protect me. And even if my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh... Wow. Job was saying, you know, this, this rotting skin will be replaced and then I will see God. I will see my Redeemer. In Isaiah 59 verse 20, the prophet prophesied, a Redeemer will come to Zion. And to whom will he come to? To those who turn from transgression in Jacob. The Redeemer is coming to those who turn to, who return from their former place to him. The major characteristics of Redeemers in the Old Testament are the following. And uh, Pastor Chris and in the next Sunday, I'll, I'll do Ruth chapter 4. I will explain the details of some of this. 
you know, you cannot be a redeemer if you are not a kinsman, if you are not a relative. Number two, you cannot be a redeemer if you are not able, if you are not well off. How can you buy, how can you go to the pawn shop and redeem what was pawned if you don't have money? Number three, you should be a willing redeemer. You know, it's, you will not only be helping Ruth, you will be marrying her. So you will be buying the property of Naomi and then you will be marrying Ruth, the son of Naomi. And this is the most difficult. You should be willing to sacrifice. Why? When you marry Ruth and when you buy the property of Ruth's husband, okay, then the property will not be yours. When Ruth gives birth, to your children, to your first child, okay? The name of that child will not be yours. The child will be named after the deceased husband of Ruth. And the property will go to him. And because he is your firstborn, he also has a share to your own property. So he will take from you, from your own property. That's why later on, if you read chapter 4 of Ruth, the closest relative was willing to pay for the property, but Boaz said, it's buy one, take one. If you buy the property, you need also to marry Ruth, the, the widow, the Moabites, second hand. Yan. So sabi nung closest relatives, ikaw na lang. Ikaw na lang. You know, when we read the book of Ruth, and we focus only on Ruth and Boaz, we miss the point of the whole story. Because the whole story is pointing towards the greater Boaz who will be coming. That's why Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, became man and dwelt among us. He has to be a relative. Number two, he should be able to buy back. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, Though he was rich, yet he became poor, so that we will become rich by his poverty. He was willing to redeem. He offered his life for us. And he was willing to sacrifice because he really died on the cross, taking upon himself the shame. So Boaz' story is pointing towards a future greater Boaz story. The third. Now, I have a redeemer pastor. His name is Jesus. But, but why is my life still on this level? I'm not experiencing yet the harvest. Well, if you look at Ruth chapter 2, verse 3, Ruth departed, went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. She gleaned in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. She took it up, went into the city to her mother-in-law, and when her mother-in-law saw what she has gleaned, later on, I will 
with, she was surprised. And then Ruth took out and gave to Naomi not only what she has gleaned, but also the leftover of the food that she took during lunchtime. You know, we see here that those who are enjoying the harvest are not sitting down. They are active. They are gleaning. And look at the picture. Verse 17. Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. The Bible promised in John chapter 15, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, that you go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should last. But fruitfulness will not happen while you are just sitting down. And many Christians, sorry, are just like that. They are just waiting and waiting. There's a time to wait. There's a time to pray. But there is also a time where we need to engage. We need to use the talents, the time, the resources God has given us and put them to uh, some productive efforts. When I was reading this story, I assumed that I know what barley is, what wheat is. So, you know, while, uh, while, while looking at the, the Bible, I decided to get pictures so that those of you who are not farmers can imagine. Okay, the first picture on the left is barley. The one in the middle is wheat. And then the one in the far right is palai. <laughs> So what do you notice between the three? They are relatives. From a distance, they look all the same. But when you look closer, they are different. The barley, this is the, the produce of the barley after beating, after milling. This is the picture of the wheat. And of course, that's the picture of palai. And they have other relatives. The oats, the rye, the corn, and the sorghum. These plants have wild counterpart, meaning after harvest, just leave them and they will still, you know, bear something, but not as much as the amount harvested. So you need to cultivate again the ground. You need to plow it. You need to put water in it. You need to sow seed before the harvest. Some are not experiencing fullness because they are not willing to act on what God has given them. Two days ago, I met a young, no longer young. When I met him the first time, he was 12 years old. His auntie was a friend of Doctora and me. Very idealistic, full of idealism. After many years, I met him again. He has just gotten married, full of idealism. So his life's like that. But he really met Christ in a very personal way. He has learned the ups and downs of life, but he continued on 
he resigned from work and started to have a business of his own. Started small. But now he's a millionaire. And when I ask him, where do you attribute this? Well, of course, Jesus has been with me and he has given me the passion. That's the word he used. The passion for my work. Sorry to say this, especially to the younger ladies and younger guys. If you don't have passion for what you're doing, get out of it. You owe it to yourself to do something that you love, something that you are passionate about. Because when you love something, when you are passionate about something, you can work on and on. And it is not work. And the bonus is you get paid. But if, it's, if you find it so hard to wake up Sunday, Monday morning and when you're in the office, you are bored to death, then when you go home, you don't like to go home because you feel you have not accomplished something. Hey, what are you doing in your work? Your work is not work. It's called labor, toil. It's like you're in a labor camp. You have to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. I pray you will discover that your work is not merely work or career. It is your calling from God. The Bible says whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, put your heart into it, knowing that it is the Lord whom you serve. And give your best shot. If you need to work hard, work hard. Give your best. If you are working and you're only giving your 50%, it's unfair to your company, it's unfair to yourself, it's unfair to God. So Ruth was working from morning until evening and she reaped the, the harvest. The mother-in-law said to Ruth, where did you glean today? Where did you work? And then Naomi said, may he who took notice of you be blessed. She doesn't even know where she worked. So Ruth told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, well, the name of the man whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to his daughter-in-law, may he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and the dead. The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Then Ruth the Moabites said, You know, furthermore, he said to me, You should stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said, It is good, my daughter. <laughs> it is good, my daughter, that you go out with this maid so that others do not fall upon you in another field. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean what? Until the end of the barley harvest. She started to glean at the beginning of the barley harvest. She has been gleaning until the end of the barley harvest and not only that, she has still been gleaning even after the wheat harvest. You know, many Filipinos are hard up because we don't have a sense of timing. 
when it requires our best, our time, we are not giving time. But Ruth kept on working and working until there is opportunity. So let me summarize the message today. In chapter 1, Naomi was filled, rich with a husband, with two, two sons. But something happened, a tragedy happened. She lost all of them. But in chapter 2, we are seeing that Naomi is starting to be pleasant again. You're still in chapter 2. You will hear chapter 3 next Sunday, and then chapter 4, the Sunday after that. How did that happen? Well, Naomi returned to Bethlehem. And by returning to Bethlehem, she was returning to the Lord. And why did she return? We said she heard the good news, the Lord's visitation. You know, many people today are depressed, distressed. They need to hear good news. And we are the bringers of goodness. Second, Naomi had a redeemer, a relative named Boaz. And this Boaz showed favor to Ruth and later on will be showing favor to Naomi. And number three, because of the faithfulness of Ruth, because of the faithfulness of Boaz and their love affair, Naomi herself will experience harvest. The child that was born was called Naomi's son. If you go and read the story, Ruth conceived, but when she gave birth, the community was saying, a son has been born to Naomi. So the empty widow at the end of the story had a full family. And not just a full family, later on it will be a famous family. We said in Ruth chapter 2 that the Lord is at the background of the story. In Ruth chapter 4, the Lord came to the forefront. Can you imagine Ruth married to the son of Naomi, but no child? Even the other son of Naomi was married, but no son. So the two Moabite women were barren. But in Ruth chapter 4, verse 13, Boaz took Ruth, and Boaz was an older man, and she became his wife. He went into her. Look at the next statement. The Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. Pag si Lord ang nakialam sa buhay natin, it will be beautiful. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. 
may he be to you also a restorer of life, a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. To the future mother-in-law, <laughs> so Melba, Kuya Jun, ngayon pa lang, ipanalangin nyo na yung magiging future in-laws nyo. Kasi hindi natin pinapanalangin eh. Naunahan ka na lang ng anak mo, dinala na, oh mami, mami, boyfriend ko o oh, girlfriend ko. Tapos titignan mo mula ulo hanggang paata, sabi mo, hmm? Why don't we start praying for our children? That God will provide them with somebody who will love them like this. Who loves you and is better to you than seven sons. Naomi lost two sons. But through Ruth, it seemed that he has seven sons. Now again, the story of the birth of Ruth's son is pointing towards another story of a greater son. In Luke chapter 2.10, the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. You know, if you, were, if you were Ruth, you will be scared to get married again. Here, the angel said to the shepherds, do not be scared. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Breadcom people, if our gospel is not good news of great joy, how can we convince people around us about Jesus? If there is no passion, if there is no joy when we are sharing the good news and we are just sharing it mechanically like we are selling them a certain product, how will they be convinced? But look at the statement from the angels. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. It's not only for the intelligent. It's not only for the well-off. It's not only for you know, those who are seeking. This good news we are sharing is for all the people. And what is the content of the good news? Today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, the King, who is the Lord. And what's the implication of that? So that a person may be going through bitterness and emptiness, his or her life can experience hardness. What about the sins? and the curses in our lives? Well, somebody was cursed already on our behalf. And he was willing to take upon himself those curses so that we can be redeemed from that curse. He was hung on the tree. But he was hung on the tree not only to erase our sins. Look at verse 14 in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles like you and me. So that the promise given to him 
materially, physically, we can experience in a spiritual sense through the Holy Spirit. In John 1, 16 to 17, you know, my dear brethren, Ruth did not plant. Ruth did not sow. He was just, she was just picking up from what was harvested by others. Picking up from the harvest field of Boaz. Jesus has planted for our salvation. Jesus has sown for our sanctification. And in John 1, 16, 17, it says, From his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. The law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It's rare that I use the Living Bible. Many of you know that my Bible is uh, NASB. This is uh, King James and NASB. Let me read from the Living Bible and translate it in Tagalog. Mula sa kanyang kapuspusan, tayong lahat ay tatanggap ng patong-patong umaapaw na pagpapala. So if you are blessed today, you can even be more blessed. Because once the blessing overflow, then others will be blessed. And that is our calling. When God called Abraham, he will bless him so that in him, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So as Filipinos, we need to change our mentality. Our tendency as Filipinos is to work hard so that we bless ourselves and we bless our families. And that's it. I pray that we will be like the Jewish people, that they work hard, they earn money, and then they bless their country. And not only their country, they bless other countries. 200 Filipinos go to Jerusalem Israel to be trained in agriculture every year. And they are sharing their resources to other countries. Because that's their calling as a people. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So when you are being blessed by God, capitalize on those blessings. Cultivate those blessings so that you are not only filled up, you will overflow so that other people can also be blessed. Ephesians 1.3 How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing in heaven. Why? Because we are good? Because we are intelligent? Now, some of us are good, some of us are intelligent but because we belong to, to Jesus. You know, we are people of blessing. We are people of blessing. So everything we do with our hands has blessing. Let me end with uh, this uh, passage, which we again and again read and recite to all of us. Jesus said in John 10, and let me include verse 9, 
I am the door. If any man enter in, look at what will happen. He shall be saved. But it did not end there. He shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. So kahit saan ka pumunta, palaging may pasture. Because that was experienced by David, by God's people. When the Lord is our shepherd, He will make us lie down in green pastures. The thief come met not but for the but for to steal sorry it is king james eh? the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy i am come that's an old english <laughs> that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly let me just paraphrase jesus said i have come that you might have life and enjoy life to the overflow to the overflow. I wish I can share to you every day the joy of my life, not only because of Sylvia, but because of our Lord. No? That's why I put it in the Facebook so that people at least will see. My dear brethren, our lives as God's people are not always easy. We are beset by challenges, by trials, by temptations, sometimes by suffering. But those should not take away the commitment of Jesus to us that they will make our lives more colorful. We are not called by God for an easy life. We are called by God to a victorious life. And not just ordinary victory. In Romans 8.37, Paul wrote, we are hyper nikoi, super conquerors. So whatever you are going through nowadays, if you have bitterness in life, don't dwell on the past. You will even be more bitter. Get engaged with Jesus. Get into relationship with Jesus. And allow Jesus to pull out those thorns that our past have, have been embedded into our minds and hearts. And let Jesus replace those holes with his love, with his joy, and with his favors. And you can say like Paul, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed me with blessings that are beyond what I even ask for or ever imagine. Let us pray. Our God, search our hearts and know our thoughts this very moment. If there is anyone here, Lord, who has bitterness or anger in his or her heart, 
Lord, I pray that you have spoken to that person. And you will hold the hand of that person so that that person can come back to you, can return to you. And when he or she does, Lord, would you embrace that person? And like in the case of Ruth and Naomi, Lord, be their redeemer. Redeem them from that past life and fill their lives with favor so that, Lord, the bitterness can be changed, can be filled up by fullness, by happiness. If there is anyone here and you feel you are like Naomi of Ruth chapter 1, that the Lord has dealt bitterly against you, that the Lord has deprived you, or there was a time you felt the Lord had forsaken you. But today you like to use that key, the first key. You like to return to the Lord. Can you raise your hand and I'll be praying with you? Yes, are there others? Yes, salamat po, salamat, salamat. Yung mga nagtaas, sabihin natin sa Panginoon from our hearts. Lord Jesus, thank you that you know my pains, you know my hurts. Thank you that when you were betrayed, when you were abandoned by your disciples, when you were denied thrice by one of your disciples, Lord, you did not abandon them. And thank you that you will not abandon me. Today, I'm returning back, Lord Jesus. I'm coming home to you. And I ask, Lord, that you be my redeemer that you stand for me. In my weakness, be my strength. When I am doubting, Lord, fill my mind and heart with trust. And when I'm losing hope, Lord, visit my mind and my heart and let me see a reason from you why I can keep on moving. And Lord, thank you for your promise that my life will not just simply be left on plowing nor sowing. Lord, I pray like Naomi and Ruth, help me to start reaping and gleaning for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.